0: Today, we, we are in our third lesson of this series, Behold, and we're looking at Isaiah 9, 6, and we're looking at Second Chronicles 20, verses 15 through 25 this morning, and, and in this series, we've been talking about the question, how do you see Jesus, and trying to, trying to see how God has set up our vision or our view of Jesus Christ. If you're a note taker in the middle of the uh, bulletin there, you have a space for some notes. And I encourage you, I encourage you to take some notes this morning and, and try to get a hold of the truth that come from God's word. Now, the standard that we've been using or the text that we've been using that sets God's standard is Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. And we talked about how God has many names throughout the Old Testament, but this is a little bit different. Because every other name of God that we see, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha, etc., uh, all of those names of God are, are beautiful and right and real and relevant in our lives, but they are also how some human saw God in that moment working in their life, and so they declared Him to be these things, and, and He was every single thing that they said He was. But through Isaiah, God in this passage of scripture begins to declare that I'm going to have a son. This is going to be your savior. And when this happens, this is how I'm expecting you to behold him. This is how I want you to see him. And look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. It says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called wonderful, counselor, mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we've talked about Him being wonderful. And then we talked about Him being Counselor. And today we want to talk about Him being Mighty God. And this this idea of Mighty God, it, it indicates the prevailing or conquering God. This is God as warrior. Warrior in your life. Warrior in my life. Conquering God. All powerful. And that's a difficult identifier to grasp because we only understand things in limitation. Every one of us has a particular limit. We might be able to do something for a certain amount of time, but eventually we say, this is as far as I can go. We might be able to lift something, but eventually my capacity for lifting is over. I'm I'm no longer powerful enough to lift that additional weight. And uh, when my kids were smaller, we were talking one day about very important subject matters. And, and you know, we were trying to delve deep into the overall meaning of superheroes. And, and I said to them, how do you like Superman? And they said, ah, uh, Superman, he's just so OP. Uh-huh. So OP. And most of you are going, what? Which is exactly what I said. What? They said, Superman is so OP or overpowered. See, he just, in the superhero universe, which... What? Superhero universe... He walks into the situation, whenever he's in the situation, he's just, you know he's going to win because he really only has one uh, negative, and, and that's that kryptonite thing. And so, um, and so, you know, he's just so OP that it kind of makes the whole situation boring. To which I respond, isn't that the entire point of the superhero? That Whenever he walks into the situation, he wins, and or she wins, and, and the superhero wins, and that's kind of how it's supposed to be. And I know, I know, Batman, he gets in there and he uses all his tricks and all of his uh, gadgetry and, and stuff like that, and he gets there and, and he wins. Um, but, but you know, that whole Batman, Superman, Superman versus Batman thing, and apparently, I know how that's, they said that worked out, but I don't think it's true. I don't think it's true at all, because Superman is super. That's why he wins. And so yeah, I'm getting some good amens on this right now. That's that's good. And so and so he is he is OP or overpowered and, and so they were saying that that just wasn't that wasn't that didn't make it interesting. Well, then it's very uninteresting to live for Jesus Christ because Jesus isn't OP, he's AP. He's all powerful. There is no limitation whatsoever in in the superhero world when Jesus steps into the scene, there is no opportunity for him to lose. And here, let's let's make it even better. In your world, in your life, in my world, in my life, if Jesus is in the mix, then there's no opportunity for failure. Because he's all powerful, he's mighty God. Our big idea today is this. Victory is certain when the mighty God fights for you. Hmm. King Jehoshaphat is a king in the Old Testament, and if you're looking for a baby name today, uh, <laughs> he, he was facing... might not be an actually good idea. He, he was facing the combined armies of Moab and, and Ammon and Mount Seir. Three armies were coming against... His army. And they knew that they were going to lose the battles. They knew that it was over, that, that, that they were going to lose. And so they went to God and they said, God, would you help us? Would you, would you deliver us from this? And God responds to them. They see Him as mighty God and so they asked for His help. And this is the response. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 15 through 17, and I'm kind of parsing the scripture a little bit in order to save time, but this is what the Lord says: Do not be afraid, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow march out against them, but you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you." He said, Take your positions. you got to get out there. But then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. And so they beheld Him as mighty God and they, they, they took up His challenge. And here's the rest of the story. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 22 through 24. And at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. It's an Old Testament story of mighty God at work. And through Isaiah, God says, You should behold my Son as mighty God. This is how you need to see Him in your life. And He is ready to work in your life on your behalf. And I have three thoughts for us here this morning. And thought number one is this. You see Him as mighty God when you align your life to His will. When you align your life to His will. An aligned life is a life that is declaring a truth. Because the proof of belief is alignment. If you really believe something, you put yourself in alignment with that thing to be able to benefit from that which you say is true. If this morning somebody said to you, hey, uh, I have an investment opportunity for you. If you invest a, a dollar today, you'll make $10 billion in three weeks. That's a pretty good investment. You might want to ask the question, how much have you you invested in that opportunity? If the answer that you receive is, it doesn't really work for my portfolio, you might want to think about not investing either. Because what they've just told you is, I'm declaring something to you that I am not aligning with Therefore, they don't believe it. If you can make $10 billion off a $1 investment in three weeks, that's pretty much a no-brainer. If you believe it. The proof of belief is an alignment. Saying I believe without aligning, aligning with that truth is either unbelief entirely or a lie. But alignment is also not specifically agreement. I can align with things that I don't agree with. I can disagree and still align with the vision or with the understanding or with the truth. Because just because it's true doesn't mean I have to like it. I like eating an entire gallon of ice cream, I disagree entirely. I dislike entirely, rather, the idea that I am going to gain weight in response to the gallon of ice cream. I'd prefer to eat the gallon of ice cream and fit in smaller pants. It's not how it works. So I must align myself with the truth that I disagree with. I don't like it, and yet it remains true anyway. Some people believe that God is a personal servant that we tell Him what we want, and as long as we tell it to Him in, with these words, with this inflection, with this, under, with this uh, you know, resonance within our voice. You know, have you ever heard anybody pray and they can only pray in King James English? Because that's the only language God understands. If you just do it this way, then suddenly that means that God will work on your behalf. And that is not True, I wish it were, because it would mean I was in control. As long as I did it this way, and handled it that way, and said it that way, I can learn the formula. And so, as long as I get the formula right, then God's going to have to do what I want Him to do. But that's not how God works. He is always in control. My choice is whether I will align myself with His will or not. We cannot force God's hand. But we can align with what he is doing. Jehoshaphat's choice was not restricted. He could have done anything he wanted. But there was only one plan that aligned with what God said. And only one plan came with a promise. Victory was promised when he aligned his actions with God's plans. So beholding Him as mighty God forces us, it drives us to align our lives with His plan. I desire the mighty God to work in my life and work in my marriage or work in my finances or work in my business. I want Him to work in me and so therefore, I align my life with His plan for that area of my life and then I can see Him working in my life. He begins to fight the enemy on my behalf. Mr. Bill Gates is a well-known figure. And if he were to call you today and say, listen, I've I've got a proposal for you. I'm going to invest in whatever business activity you want me to invest in. I will support it a hundred percent. You have all of my resources at your disposal, but I need you to follow a few guidelines. You might look at his guidelines and think, I don't, uh, that's ridiculous. I mean, you've got to fill out that form and then triplicate. And there's just no sense in that. But I guarantee 90% of us would be, yes, sir, Mr. Gates, not a problem at all. Why? Because we behold him as someone, through the power of his ideas and the power of his amassed wealth, can do big things. And so we align with what he said, even if we don't understand it, even if we don't agree with it, we align with it because we want his power to work on our behalf. And I will say, I said last week that God, that Jesus was bigger and better than Dave Ramsey. And I'm going to, I know, mind blowing, but I'm going to say that Jesus is bigger and better than Bill Gates too. And if we want His power and authority to work in our life, if we want mighty God, when we behold Him as mighty God and we want Him to work on our behalf, we align our life with Him and then we see Him work. He is able to bring all of His authority, all of His power, all of His ability into uh, into uh, activity in our life and then who knows what could happen. The limits are now taken off the situation. He is the King. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Savior. He is the King of Heaven. And He's working for you and He's working for me. He is mighty God. But thought number two is this. You behold Him as mighty God when you believe the impossible can become possible. The impossible can become possible. Now, now sometimes... It's easier to believe that God can take me to heaven than that He can provide for my needs right now. It's easier to believe that when I leave this earth, I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to live for eternity with Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And and yet I struggle to believe that he is going to provide the finances that I need today or heal my body when I'm sick today or bring the right relationships into my life today. And I believe the reason for that, the reason that it really is the case, is because we can't peek behind the curtain of death and discover whether or not we are going to be disappointed. We don't get to say, hey, you know what, I'll just die for a few minutes, see if you, what you said is true, and then I'll come on back and make my decision. We don't get that choice. And so, we can believe Him for the things that we cannot test Him in, but we struggle to believe Him for the things that He says He will do right now. Jehoshaphat, he beheld the mighty God and he acted on God's Word. He moved in faith. Now, his army was marching to what they believed to be certain death if God didn't do anything. Some of you in this room right now, you might be facing a situation that if God doesn't do something, my situation is going to implode. If there isn't a a miraculous thing occur, an impossible thing must become possible in order for my life to continue on the way that it is. You might be in that situation right now. Jehoshaphat said that is the situation, and yet the army began to march out. And what they did was they put the singers before them. The singers went first. The worshipers went before the warriors because they believed that mighty God was on their side. Beholding Him as mighty God directs you to engage difficult situations ready for war while leading with worship. So you walk into that situation that that you know is confrontational and you're ready for war. You're ready. You've got it. You're ready to take on whatever it is. I'm not much of a karate person, but you're, you're ready to take on. I know you, you, you're, you're surprised. I know you're surprised, but you're ready to take on whatever is going to happen. You've done your homework. You've, you've done your, your due diligence. You've got all your stuff in a line. So you step into that business meeting and, and you've done everything you know how to do, but, but, but it's still beyond you. You step into that class and you've studied and you've done everything you know how to do, but there's still that, you're going to step into that situation at Christmas where you've done everything you can do to make the relationship right. But there's still that, uh, it's still, you, you, with your child, you've done everything you know how to do, but it's still a little bit of a... And so, you walk into it ready to do battle, but you lead it in worship. And so, you're, you're ready. You, you've got it. And now you're walking into it. And, and, and you're worshiping. You're worshiping. Maybe, maybe in your world it sounds like, To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live, I live to worship you. And you lead with worship as you walk into that situation. Maybe in your world it's amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And worship goes forth from your life as you walk into the situation that you know should be a battle. But you believe that mighty God is on your side and so the impossible thing can become possible. You discover what God says about it in His Word. You discuss your issues with Him in prayer, allowing the Holy Spirit to to lead you and guide you, and then you declare His sovereignty over your life and situation in exaltation and in worship. I, I'm telling you, crank up the tunes in your life today. Maybe it, maybe in your world it's a Hillsong uh, song. Maybe that's the, the what you. Maybe it's Lincoln Brewster for you, or maybe it's Lecrae, or maybe it's Thousand Foot Crutch, or or maybe in your life it's Michael W. Smith or the Gaithers every once in a while, or maybe it's Bethel or George Beverly Shea, or maybe in your world it's you're listening to Bach as, he, as the orchestration that he puts together worships this Lord and the Savior. I don't know what it sounds like in your life, but your worship must, must go before your warfare. Be ready for the battle, but worship your way into it, knowing that mighty God Mighty God is there. You might ask, though, but what happens if I get there and the miracle I'm expecting doesn't take place? In our family, Christy and I have a saying that we live by, and the saying is just because we can doesn't mean we should. That phrase doesn't always make our sons happy. In fact, there are times whenever they're feeling less than respectful where I will say, Son, just because we can, and then I will see them go, <laughs> as they mime. Now I'm acting it out just a little, but uh, they mime it out. And, and sometimes they know that we can. And that's the problem. Because here they are, we're going down the street and they say, hey, can we stop at McDonald's? And we say, no. Nobody should eat at McDonald's. (laughs) Thank God for their business. I'm, I'm happy that they're doing great business. But, you know, I mean, it's not the best food in the world for you. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Can we go to McDonald's? No, we can't. Well, is it a time issue? No, it's not a time issue. We could go to McDonald's, but we're not going to. Well, how about if I pay for it? See, we've gotten into those discussions now. I love it when they're paying for it from the allowance money that I gave them. I feel like I'm still paying for it somehow, but how about if I pay for it? Nope. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. When they were younger, they would get angry. Very respectfully angry. Because we don't disrespect in our house. So they would quietly sit there and steam would come from their ears and their face would be all red and they'd be sitting in the back seat going. And if everything that was going on in their head ever came out of their mouth, they knew their life would end, but they kept, it, they kept it in their head alone and their spirit was doing warfare. As they've gotten older, they've been able to hear no and they don't get angry anymore. Recently, I was talking to Talon, and he asked if he could do something, and I told him no. And his response was, okay. I saw maturity in him at that moment. I went, huh, that boy's growing up. I like it. Sometimes we ask mighty God to do something on our behalf, and He doesn't do it. But like my sons, while they still don't agree with my decision, they've learned to trust the decision makers. And here's what I would challenge you with this morning. Living open to the possibility of the miraculous, risking a no, is better than living closed off to the possibility of ever experiencing the miraculous in your life. I would rather leave the door open, knowing that it's possible that Jesus says no, than to close it off and say, I won't accept Him as mighty God. I won't behold Him as mighty God. I won't accept that He is who He says He is, and He can do what He says He can do, because He might tell me no, and I don't want to deal with it. I would rather leave the door open, because who knows, He could say yes. And when I shut myself off from beholding Him as mighty God, I am cutting myself off from every yes that He may give in fighting the battle for my life. When we behold Him as mighty God, we believe that the impossible can become possible, and we trust Him, even when things don't go as we hoped. And that leads us to thought number three this morning. You see Him as mighty God when you enjoy unbelievable blessing. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 20. This is the end of the story of King Jehoshaphat. It says, King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables. More than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. Isn't that a beautiful problem to have? There's just so much blessing coming into my life, it's taking me three days to collect it all. I know some folks are saying, well, Pastor, are you teaching that all blessing, unbelievable blessing from God is all about stuff? No. Let me show you in the New Testament some, some unbelievable blessings Many miracle moments. You have miracles of protection that happen in the New Testament. Jesus walked through the crowd in Luke chapter 4 and no one could touch Him. He calmed the storm in Mark chapter 4. These, these are protectional moments. That, a miracle that occurred where disaster should have happened and it didn't. I wonder how many times the Lord has saved me from disaster that I never knew was coming my way miracles of deliverance Peter was delivered from prison by an angel in Acts chapter 12 Paul cast out an evil spirit in Acts chapter 16 deliverance happening you see miracles of healing where Peter healed the lame man in Acts 3 and Paul raised a dead man to life in Acts chapter number 20 you have the miracle of appearance in fact this is what we're celebrating in this season. As we appear, uh, as we celebrate the appearance of a of a baby that would be placed into a manger, born of a virgin. This is a miracle in and of itself, but I tell you, even a, a more incredible miracle. And that is that Jesus died on a cross, and then He was buried in a tomb. And then three days later, He got up, and He started appearing to all kinds of people. Over 500 people saw Him at one time. Do you? Know that that's not normal? Incredibly abnormal. Totally miraculous. And every one of these miracles is a blessing, an unbelievable blessing that is resulting from the aligning of a life with God's plan. And mighty God empowering His plan. Through their lives. The identity of Jesus is not defined by blessing. But living in His blessing comes with the recognition of who He is. Mighty God. Mighty God. Fighting on your behalf. Warrior. God. If He wasn't willing to fight for you, why would God say behold Him as mighty God? We have a situation in the New Testament where a father comes to Jesus Well, he comes looking for Jesus and Jesus is up on the mountain praying. Peter, James, and John and, and so He's got a problem in that his son keeps casting himself, throwing himself into the fire, into the water. And the father just says, something's wrong and I I need somebody to heal him. And so the father brings the son to Jesus. Jesus isn't there, so he says to the disciples, hey guys, you're like, you know, you're the disciples. Isn't that what you do? Heal my son. And the disciples... I don't know how they came to the conclusion. We don't have the insight on that. They just said, we can't help you. And so about that time, Jesus comes walking down the mountain. He, he, he approaches and he says, hey guys, what's going on here? This is a paraphrase. I don't know how you say all that in Greek. So, uh, you know, this is what's, what's happening. And the, the man looks at him and says, my son has got this problem. I brought him to your disciples. Your disciples said they can't do anything. Can you fix my kid? And Jesus looks at him, and he says, I can do it if you believe. I can do it depending on how you behold me. In your life today, can you behold him as mighty God? Can you behold Him as mighty God? And I will tell you that when I read this passage of Scripture, it's one of the most incredible passages to me because of what happens next. The Father looks at Jesus and He says, I believe. Oh, cool. You believe. But then He says something else. Help my unbelief. You see, in my carnal natural human understanding wait a minute Jesus just told you if you can believe I'll do it so you believe but you don't believe and yet I find myself at times sitting in that same exact place where I have enough faith to bring my son to the master and yet I don't know if I have enough faith to go to the place where I think he's really going to do everything I just asked him to do that he really can do everything I just asked him to do And you might be sitting here today saying, I'm about to walk into that situation. I'm about to go handle some stuff. And I've got worship going before me right now. And I believe. And Jesus would say, If you believe, I can do it. And you might be in the position of the Father today where you say, I believe. But help my unbelief. And you would find that you receive the same answer that this Father receives where Jesus says, that's enough. I'll, I'll accept that. I don't know what you're dealing with right now. I don't know what you're stepping into this week. I don't know what's going on in your world, but in your business, in your family, in your finances, in, in, your, in your walk with Christ, in whatever it may be, I'm, I'm encouraging you. Mighty God is fighting for you. He's ready to help you and to fight your battle, it might be easier than you possibly can think. But you have to take that step of saying, I believe. And you might say, well, I just don't know, Pastor. I don't know if I believe that He can do all that. I would encourage you this morning, reach with the faith that you have and trust the love of a Savior to reach back. Say that's enough. That's enough. I'm going to do the miracle you need me to do. Just because you reached. Bow your heads with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. I pray for every man, woman, boy and girl in this house right now that's going through stuff. Just stuff of life that. They know they cannot achieve the end result without a miracle. They can't they can't get there without something just miraculous taking place. Somebody in the room needs a check. They just need an influx of finances to be able to continue on. Somebody needs a healing. Somebody needs wisdom in how to handle their their business or their personal finances. Somebody needs wisdom in how to handle a relationship that maybe it should have gone by the wayside long ago, but they've held on to it and now there's trouble. Some need help in just knowing how to deal with themselves. And right now, mighty God, we pray that you would fight for your people. For everyone in this room that can see you as mighty God, that is reaching right at this moment in faith, saying, I believe. Help my unbelief. I pray right now that you would just reach back to them as mighty God fight on their behalf and I'm believing you (laughs) for testimonies of how mighty God did a miraculous work solved an issue gave the understanding because you are who you said you are my savior my king my lord you are Mighty God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand our feet right now as they lead us in song.